Hello, this is Mercury and Friends, and we have a special guest with us. Her name is Wajita. She's come home just for the little vacation, the holiday season. Of course, we have her mom here, and that's Halima. You know her. And she's going to talk about various experiences she's had and how she was treated with those experiences with people who look similar to her. How are you, Wajita? I'm good. And... Tell us who you are, and and uh, you came here, so you knew that this was a studio. Yeah, um, so I'm Ujita. Um, I just graduated college. Um, Wonderful. What did you major in? Marketing. Marketing. How are you going to use that? I actually want to work in the music industry, so I want to market different artists and basically be the bridge between like an underground band and like stardom. What's an underground band? I don't know what an underground band is. Like, um, there's a lot of bands that make good music but don't have the proper representation, so they are not, they don't have, a, like, funding behind them and things of that sort. So I want to be the one that sort of gets their music out there so that way more people can know about them and they can have more opportunities and stuff. So do you know some of these bands? No. How are you going to find them? Um, well, I go to music concerts a lot, mm -hmm. so I want to basically find them that way, and I've noticed that like a lot of songs that I like that are not necessarily popular, because I like to hunt for music, I'll find a song and then maybe like two or three years later I'll hear it in a movie, or, I'll, or somebody will start talking about it, or it'll become popular, and I literally have been listening to them forever. Okay, are you a musician yourself? Yeah. What do you do? I'm a percussionist. Oh, wow. Yeah. Drums or? I play Or piano. Or I both. Both. Wonderful. <laughs> so, what are you doing December 27th? I'm ha we're having a big Kwanzaa at Union Baptist Church at 6.30, and uh, it's for the community. We haven't been able to find a person who plays the piano. So, I'm looking I'm not that good to commit to playing. Well, it, it, listen, when you don't have anybody that's good, period, anything you do is good. It's like, the what is it? The one-eyed man is king in his valley. It's better than being without the eyes. So, I certainly like to see you there. Maybe. Well, she's not making any commitment. How are you going to find these groups? How are you going to... Uh, approach them. Do you have a proposal in your head to I'm one of those groups. What are you going to say to me to make me interested in you? Hmm, that's a really good question. Haven't really thought of that. Um, one of the, well, you got to think about these things. You know, taking courses in college has very little relationship to the outside world. Uh, I'm a social worker by degree. What they taught me I, I worked professionally in the Bronx all of my career. I worked in the Bronx. They didn't teach me anything about dealing with extremely low-income people who are angry at times because they don't have heat or hot water. Mm -hmm. I was coming, well, I was coming here, thank God your mother called me. Uh, I was listening, I think it was, wasn't BAI, I think it was the other station. Nine, nine point three nine, and they were talking about the women in the uh, 
jails in a particular jail in New York had no heat for two days. Now you've got to be able to, I don't want to listen to you if you can't help me. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to tell people? And I under, I graduated and recognized I don't know enough about drugs to really help somebody, but I was so green <laughs> that they just let me help them because, you know, to help them. And I didn't pass any judgment, oh, I don't help this one. I picked up people in the street with vomit all over them, moving their bowels, all those things. But it took a while. I don't want you to take that while. I want you to speak to somebody who is in that business. Uh, the people outside can't see you shake their head. Yeah. They're not listening. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. They're listening. They don't say, oh, she's shaking her head. Yes. <laughs> so uh, how are you going to do this? Um, I've actually been making some steps to speak with people that are actually in the music business because I know that I don't know a lot of things. So um, I'm actually supposed to speak with someone who um, is like well connected, who actually gave me some assignments to do so that way I can be more prepared for the conversation. So I'm just really trying to make connections because I know that the way I'm going to be able to help people is by leveraging my connections that I have that they don't necessarily have, but first I have to put in the work to make Okay, them. you're a senior, you're going, to, you're going to walk in May, I assume. Mm -hmm. What would you tell somebody who just got into college and wants to do very much what you want to do? What would you tell them? I would say keep an open mind and even though the classes that you take might not necessarily go towards your vision, that your vision is what you make it and your path is what you make it. So even if there's no specific class that will explain to you how to do what you want to do, there's still resources and like valuable things in every class, so you should take them. I've always wondered, do the professors have experience in this? You know, they're moving towards Half of City University, and I taught at Lehman for 35 years, are abjuncts. Oh, we want everybody to have uh, be full-time. The abjuncts have the experience. I can tell you about social work versus a professor reading out the book. Mm -hmm. So how many people that you were involved with can give you that kind of direction? Honestly, none of them so far because of the school that I went to is really good for business, but not necessarily for music business. So I don't have the music connections, but I do have the connections for people that know how to start your own business and know the logistics side of it. Well, I can tell you that. So like, it's a little bit of now me finding the right connections and putting myself in the right spaces to meet the people who have the musical capabilities. That's a full-time job in itself. But even with people who have, I'm supposed to be meeting with my nephew on Tuesday, who is in the business, I'm going to give you his name and phone number. Uh, even they, it's a, it's a constant process. And you've got to come to them with at least the jargon. If you come to them and say, listen, did you see my skin? It's green. I have been, I've been out. <laughs> you and your green. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've been out on my own since I was 18. If you look at my buttocks, it has a lot of calluses for being kicked. And that's what you're going to have to go through. People see that you're green. They see that you don't have the right uh, knowledge base. They're out there. They're out there for the kill.
and uh, I have known people because I dance and study dance for a very very long time. You know, I could do this, I could do that, and and when they see you, they Bugs Bunny does something where he has a big lollipop with a stick and juice falling off of it, saying "sucker." And you come there, and you got this big S on your on your shirt. I would say you should follow inside when you find someone that you can trust, and that's not an easy thing to find out and work under them. Okay. Without money, it might come to that. So you might be looking at your mother for money. But I was a key punch operator, a key punch operator. You see these these right here? Mm-hmm. That's what you do all day long. That's how phone uh, phone bills came in with the dots and, and Con Ed and various ways. They do it differently now. Uh, so I was able to get jobs where you didn't have to be there at 9 o'clock. You can be there at 3 o'clock if necessary so you can go on auditions and do all that. Those are the kinds of jobs you need to get. And keep on learning and learning. Now what you want to do also is see if you can get to be a paralegal to find out the legal end of many things without having to go to law school. Okay. Okay. So what else have you done that excites me? Well, she's she's already got um, actually a part-time job working under two ladies who do the um, Mid-Hudson Valley Jazz Festival. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Guess what? You're not always going to have mama there <laughs> to tell you, wait, let me talk for my daughter. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I actually, I start in January, so I met them at the, um, that's the college a, fair. That's a week and a half away? Yeah. Okay. Like cool. three weeks from now, okay. the second week in January. Okay. So you have confidence in them. Stay in tune with your mother so that she can guide you. Tell me, you went to school where? SUNY New Paltz. That's about two hours away from here? Yeah, like an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. What did you find there? Um, A lot of white people. Interesting. And and how was that? Because you've been exposed to that all your life. Yeah. You went to Harrison. Uh, school system, then to 86th Street. So you have been exposed to their thinking yeah. and their attitudes. How did you feel about it? It didn't bother me. I'm I'm so used to it. If anything, like since I've grown up in like predominantly white school systems, like I felt comfortable. It didn't bother me at all. It didn't feel any different. Than How did you school. relate to the black students? That was much harder so that Why? was more because like a lot of my friends they like from high school pull in their white and two like the stuff that we used to do like kids like that are black in my school didn't do that so I wasn't up on like the new dances and eat like the old, super old ones too I didn't know how to like say certain slang terms and like they would say things and I have no idea what they're talking about. And, and so when you ask them, hey, what, what, what do you mean? What did they say to you? I kind of didn't even ask. I just kind of waited to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then 
Like I made a lot of friends on my step team, so that was kind of how. Oh, I so you made step. Yeah. So that was my way of like doing percussion things in in college because they don't have a band, and that's pretty much how like I like my whole team was black. So that's where I sort of like figured out mm-hmm, all the mm-hmm. the cool stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did they respond being New Poles, a white environment? They had a way harder time, and they still do. How? Um, they really struggled with the lack of representation in their classrooms because they're used to going to schools that are predominantly black where everybody looks like them. So at New Paltz, you will, you most likely are the only black person or there's one or two people in your class. Well, my son went to Albany, and uh, before he went, I called up one of the advisors, I guess, and said, what is your percentage of black students? Oh, we have 3% minority, which meant they had 1% black. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Okay, so uh, he had written on his door, nigger. Uh, he had these, these uncomfortable things. Now, he went to the White Plains school system, so there were a, a good mixture of black, Hispanic, and whites, but when he got to uh, Albany, there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Has that happened at New Poles? Yeah, it it definitely has happened. Even like in like specific halls, we're more known for that than others. So um, mm-hmm. there was like some instances where there were like racial slurs written on the bathroom, and it made certain and so students the, this feel uncomfortable. The, you talking about the female bathroom? <clears throat> Both. So that meant the female bathroom, that was a female writing that on the wall. Yeah. And that's what, when they have children, that's what they'll teach their children. Mm-hmm. How to hate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, I guess us being in lower New York, we, we don't see that like other people see it. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, and it puts our kids at a disadvantage. That's true. I know that my young friend, her sisters and friends went to Albany, and they said that they clustered together. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that, when I was at Columbia, someone approached me, do you want answers to the test? And you know that as soon as you say yes, every person's gonna come with alarms and everything else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you get a B while they got the A because they knew, mm-hmm. they knew people mm-hmm. who had the test. Mm-hmm. So it always makes you look not as intelligent mm-hmm. as they. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they had the answers to the test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I have the answers to the test, uh, yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, your time there is good, would you? Think of going to something like a Howard? Probably not. How come? I don't feel like I would fit in, and I'd probably be more stressed about fitting in than actually doing my work. Why would you feel you wouldn't fit in? Just because, like, in general, the, like, the people, like, before college, I didn't have necessarily great experiences, like, in regards so to... So like, you're stereotyping people the same way whites stereotype us? My daughter went. 
uh, a lot of the people that I've known who have gone to historically black schools were very bright and they spoke just like him. So I want to dispel that. And there, she went to the reunion, what they call the homecoming in October. I went with her and one of her, her classmates had whoever could come from graduated 10 years ago and they were mixed. They're more mixed than what you think they are. But she's basing that on her on her interactions. Oh, I understand that. Yeah, with other black children and being teased. Yeah, but but because of how she spoke and my children, I told you and things like that. In, in my daughter's school, my daughter teaches on 179th Street in the Bronx. Asked her now she's the same complexion as your mother. Asked her was she white because she talks like because white of people. her diction, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get that. I don't care where you go, you're going to get that. And as a social worker, having to, I always called myself a street social worker because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have problems walking in the streets. But I never lowered my uh, my speech pattern. I mm-hmm. never, oh, slap me, yeah, yeah. I never did that. Yeah, I don't do you, that either. You have to come up to where I am mm-hmm. yeah. because your reality is if you decide to get a job, you can't be talking this, that, and a tutter. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to speak in a certain way. Now, if you dislike me because of my speech pattern, that's on you. But I found that most of the people, my clients, patients, whatever you want to call them, that I've worked with, love Miss Murphy. I, I will defend them. I will tell them how it is. I wouldn't cut anything out. And you be you. However, I think if you went to many of the black colleges, you'll find some of your brightest students are there. Of course. And, yeah, and some place like a Howard, I don't know all of them, I don't know Howard and Clark, my daughter went to Clark too, is that they have what you're looking for. So don't, don't put it aside. Now that, I, I want everybody to speak like you. And I think that that's what education has done for me. Uh, I was raised in the lower Bronx, Washington Avenue, Claremont Parkway. And then we, I moved to even more projects. When I think about it, who's from the Bronx? Uh, Carrie Washington. Uh, Judge Sotomayor. Powell. J-Lo. Me and a whole bunch of people I know. Well, I'm from Harlem. She's born in Columbia, Presbyterian. Again, <laughs> you can't help yourself bringing you up to Columbia, Presbyterian. Yeah. Okay. So you know. Yeah. Like I feel like, as for me, like going to school where I went, it it made sense for me because it school's already an adjustment. So I didn't want to switch up too much of where I was going. Also, I didn't want to leave far from from home anyway. So an hour and a half. I know you're a mommy's just, baby. That's okay. <laughs> an hour and a half was like just good enough, and I I like the environment and stuff like that. Um, the only thing that would make me have wanted to go to a HBCU was you got your future. You might want to get a master's or a doctorate from there. Yeah, is the um 
is the marching band. Like, that's. I, I was very impressed when that's I went the there. Thing. Uh, <coughs> it was a lot of hard. Her birthday is like the 28th of October, so it was around that time. And uh, it, the marching bands, don't forget, the females are in front doing their thing. Mm -hmm. and, and I saw two or three females doing, carrying those big drums. Yeah. And just, oh, wonderful. <laughs> I would do it again. Uh, so I don't, I don't want someone your age to be frightened of anything. Wherever I sit, I'm supposed to be there. And I don't think anybody is better than me. Nor do I think I'm better than somebody else. That person who may be on the side, well, I remember they make so much of it when a white person does it. Uh, this man, something was happening at uh, Lincoln Center. And I was going past there and this man had no the shoes it was cold out, and I went in my trunk. He was a small man, little larger, and I got him sneakers. And, I, and I've done that for so many of my clients now, especially since I'm one block in from Tremont Avenue, where they didn't have coats or whatever. And uh, that's why I say I'm no better than those people. We have no idea where we're going to be ten minutes from now. I can go home, and something happened to build the building explodes. You have nothing. You have to go to a, a hotel that Red Cross puts you in. So all I'm saying is don't close the door. Let me ask you something. Think as a young person, and I'm not gonna make any comments how I feel about it. I'm very disturbed in the last week and a half, we have Three young boys who stabbed a woman to death uh, on the steps of going to Columbia, where I went. Uh, I think about three days ago, they had eight young black men who's in some sort of gang, doing selling drugs, not this, that. They're going to be gone for life. And yesterday, well, the day before, because it was at the same time, they got the M3s or whatever they call themselves. They got 20 of them looking at things. They want to put on your sociology hat. I don't know. I don't know where you're going to be 10 years from now. Neither do you know. You might have children. You might have a boy child. We've got to be cautious with them, but what is? Do you talk about your friends? What are happening to our very, very, very young people? Sometimes, like we, like specifically in New Paltz, like we, like our Black Student Union did a good job of like bringing us together to speak about issues such as that and like how we can join together and sort of like welcome everybody in. How do you welcome a child from 116th Street where this was done? What do you provide for them? And I worked on 112th Street, a little further east, and there are nice buildings there. That, you know, how do you, how do you approach these young people 
that you don't know, maybe no one in your group knows, or maybe one in the group may live next to some kids who are having some problems deciding who they are as human beings. And that it's, it's really, you know, you're tough if you can, three people can kill one person. What are your thoughts? I see mama breathing hard. It's a very difficult, it's a very difficult. What do you, you said the Black Student Union, what do they do? Like we just, like we had forums to speak about it and just to bring the camaraderie between like us so that way we could bring it back to being at home. So pretty much. But your home has been 86th Street, Harrison. So you're not gonna see those young people. Well, I went to school in those places, but I didn't live in those places. Like now I, do, I don't, I never lived on 86th Street. Um, and I, I lived in Harrison, but I think there's a difference between living somewhere and being fully enveloped in like, um, like um, blinded by where you live. But you felt more comfortable with whites at your school initially than you did with blacks. So how do, how do we begin to address those things? I think it's natural for you to feel comfortable where you've been placed and where you're used to being placed. But an open mind is sort of like what I went to school with. So meeting black people, I wasn't afraid of them. But going off of my prior experiences was why I felt the way I did. So There's a lot of kids like you because people my age, your mother's age, have raised our children to be princesses. Uh, And to speak English, even though you can understand the various vernaculars people have. So you're not that typical. Mm-hmm. When I went to school, it may have been that typical, but not now. So how do you reach out to communities? To I can't imagine if I had a child who killed, was part of killing a person, stabbing them, I think it was 27 times or something like that. How do you begin to bring them back into the fold? I think that that's a really hard thing to do and I don't particularly have that answer because I've never been even around anybody that has done such a thing. Um, but I think it's mainly about the judgment and the like the energy that you bring to a space because somebody may be up in arms about a situation but if you bring like a calm sort of like chill energy to it and without the judgment because a lot of times when you hear that somebody's done something like that, the automatic thought process is, oh, that's so horrible, or like to automatically put judgment. But it's important to think about not that you undermine what happened to the person that has been done wrong, but that you think about the situation that the person who did it had to be going through because that's not something normal. So they had to go through some sort of trauma to think that that's okay. I'm going to go back to your mother. I'm not sure if it's not normal when, I think it was last week, and it's weekly, It's and, and I know that there's a lot of emphasis put on these people, where some man is walking down the street and just punches an 82 years old man out. And this is not something that happens like, oh, that happened five years, no, no, no. It's happening 
on a weekly basis that I could go out here right now, have someone knock me down. And if a young man who's, let's say, in his 20s or 30s, one man was in a coma and finally died, and that was like two months ago. I'm asking because you're of the age and you, you have at least some relationship to the thinking of these people. And I know I'm doing a lot of talking, I shouldn't. Uh, when your mama was young, yeah, there were kids that were hoodlums, that did things that, that you would never think of doing, but she never heard of someone just walking up to you, punching you out, your teeth are out, and sometimes they don't even take anything. The wallet is still there. It's a, a game. What is the mental? Because you're talking to, you might be talking to somebody in California now. What is the mental process of a person who does that, that you've talked about? Because I know young people must think about it, because they can't be talking about you. You can be walking down the street, that, uh, that happened within the last two weeks. Someone gets you in the back, throws you in the in, in, a, in an alleyway. You can't defend yourself. I guess the mental process, in my opinion, behind that is how, I guess, popular it is now to do things and the, the issue of, like, even with, I guess, like, technology and there's always something new and something better to do and people kind of take that the wrong way so before like like oh pushing somebody would be like oh my gosh you just pushed somebody but now that's not good enough now it's hitting somebody and oh now that's not good enough now it's like oh you have to choke somebody out that's not good enough anymore either and it's kind of like you can see that correlation between like acts that people do and it's the same thing with like the new shoes aren't cool enough nothing's cool enough so if you're vulnerable and I guess in my head easily malleable then you'll do something like that to get the attention that you crave and either you'll do something positive but a lot of times with social media and all these fighting videos and stuff there's something negative to do and you can get just as much notoriety if not more and faster for punching somebody out than for helping a homeless person as you say like you know like giving somebody shoes or giving somebody something to eat like everybody just wants to be the newest it viral act and it's way easier because people for some reason like to watch people get hurt more than they like to see things Isn't that are good. That a sickness that I would yeah. want to see someone beat you. I can't get over it. Yeah, it's crazy. And and when I was a kid, I'm sure it happened with your mom too. There were girls out there that were that were horrible, but not to the extent that I'm seeing now. I mean, there were girls who would eat us. You know this. Who would? They would never do it one on one. They would get four or five girls. Mm -hmm. Punch you out. The thing was to knock your front teeth out. Yes, but I was a kid. So when people tell you, oh, it was so different, no. But they were doing it to someone their own age. Mm -hmm. You never heard someone, I think last week it was a man that was 82 years old. Yeah. 
Uh, I think people are just also so desensitized to everything with the internet. Like, you can look up anything that you possibly want to see, good or bad, and take enough time or not even, and you'll find it. So, like, that paired with, like, the lack of respect that people have for anything, places, people, ideas, opinions, like, that's just a horrible pairing. Because now, now it's a huge problem. People don't care about what people think. It's not even the whole, like, respect your elders. Like, if you see, like, somebody get on the bus and you're like, oh, let me give up my seat. No. And then if, God forbid, somebody asks you to give up their seat because something's going on, then you'll fight them over that. Like, it's like kids don't... It doesn't matter how old you are anymore, which is bad. Like, everybody's on a level playing field, whether you're a kid or you're 100 years old. Like, it doesn't matter. I know I worked in a school system, and little kids would say, I don't have to respect my teacher. She got to respect me. You can't even speak. (laughs) (laughs) My mama said, don't stay hit. And it took me a while. So what does it mean? Don't stay hit. <laughs> <laughs> so young people, a little older than you, having these little kids mm-hmm. and telling them, uh, a grown up, you, you, your teacher better respect. Well, what is respect? Exactly. In a classroom, if I tell you you have to sit over here, do I have to ask your permission? Me as the teacher. I'm not clear, uh, and people want to come to school, parents to fight. Uh, I worked last year in an after-school program where I had young students your age, and people can tell when you're young, and something, no, a kid was absent, and by law, they have to call up Ms. Rodriguez, Eddie was absent today, could you tell us? he's sick or something a parent cursed them out and said wait till I come to school you don't be asking me my personal best da, 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 da. and I said if the person comes let him speak to me and I'm sure his mouth will not be so caustic once he speaks to me the person never came but if someone my kid when I had children if they said well Miss Murphy Desi's not here today. Oh, he has a doctor's appointment. He has to do this and that. I would never talk about, you don't be asked to be the question. What are you talking about? It's the law. Yeah. An equal project maybe 15 years ago, and that's why one of these laws came up. So a sister was taking care of her little sister. Apparently this was an adult sister. And the child wasn't in school for quite a while, and they went. The child was dead. Edenwolf. So after these laws came into a, I mean, after these events, there were several in a row. You got to call every day, Miss mm-hmm. Murphy. Your son is not in school, and most parents, oh, he's sick, da da da. But none, you wait, you ain't be getting my business. <laughs> Would you like it the other way? Should I send the police out? Exactly. The next mm-hmm. move is CPS. So you pick you. you, you, you <laughs> You want to tell me or you want to tell them, you know? No, and and I think it's okay to call somebody and ask them why their kid is out. Yeah. 
Because it's a precaution. Your kid could not be going to school and you don't know where they are either. They could have never made it to school. You could have hey. sent them out the door. That's right. And That's right. and they never made it there. So why aren't we getting to people, let's say, under 35? Why aren't we getting to them to understand? They're teaching their kid, if this kid is 6 or 10 or 12, they're teaching their kids you don't have to respect adults. And I t- when I was with the kids last year, if, if it's an adult and if they teach you, treat you mean, you have the right to tell your parent. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because I don't want an adult to be taking a little Susie in the next room. Right, right, exactly. And, and that's weekly, them. too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, for me, it's a whole new world. And I always considered myself a street social worker. But now I'm uncomfortable being out by myself when it gets dark out. That's mm. interesting because even like though it's technically like my generation, I don't feel comfortable nor equipped outside in general. Now that's like also like I, I have anxiety so that's part of it as well. But but do you think that anxiety is is a reflection of what is happening in society today? Um you could go into a store my my daughters and I did, and they called the cops on us. Well, yes. So my anxiety, personally, is partially... I try not to keep myself, like... I sort of like to blind myself from what's going on, because that will stress me out as well, which is not necessarily the best tactic, but it works for me. Um, so I'm not necessarily nervous because of all the stuff that's going on, because partially I feel like... There's a lot more things happening, but it's also with the fact that we have access to so much Focus. information that you can literally, like, you'll know something happened instantly, whereas before... It's on TV. They had the face yeah. of this kid. We're looking for the second kid. This is what he looks like. It's like the kid took a picture of himself. Mm-hmm. And so you know your kid when you see it. Say, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. that little, what is it called? Dante is Dante. Mm-hmm. One of them kids. Yeah. So you you know you you have access to everything. So it's just I don't I just think it's just not easy to feel safe because there's always something to be afraid of. How about your peers? Like how do they feel? Um. I mean, has anyone ever expressed anxiety? Yeah, a lot. Why? Um, it was interesting because for them they had at least up back when I was at school, a lot of them, um, of my friends that were black, had an anxiety and were nervous about the white people and, like, racial tension and just being nervous to be around so many white people. And Yeah, you could be studying in the hall. Didn't they call the police on that young woman last year? She's studying in where everybody else studies. Why is she here studying? Yeah. So it, it was interesting to see them be so nervous because these are the same spaces that I feel safe in so it was it was interesting very interesting you said you feel safe in that but you could be uh, sitting at uh, a table in the cafeteria I don't know you so you must not be a student here I'm going to call the police on you that's what's been happening 
Well, yeah, I, I definitely understand that that happens or that that is what, what goes on. But for me personally, in my school where I was, I didn't walk around feeling afraid of them. And I guess that's more of like, I, I guess like me being comfortable. I don't know if it necessarily has to do with the fact that I went to school with the white people or just like my mom always taught me to like be comfortable in myself and that the energy that I put out attracts that sort of energy. So I try not to be afraid of other people because people notice that. So even if you don't look like scared, you can you can feel that. So I'm just like, I'm safe. And if I'm not, there's nothing I can do about it. So like, if it's up to me, I'm gonna feel fine. And there are certain cases where like, I'll be nervous, but I wouldn't necessarily attribute that to there being a whole bunch of white people or them being a whole bunch of black people. You, in my opinion, look like a very small person. Like you're not 5'8 <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Well, how tall are you? I'm 5'4", unfortunately. Oh, I'm little. <laughs> and you don't look like you're, you know, muscle bound where you've been lifting weights for two hours each day. Uh, then how do you protect yourself if you have to be on campus and you got to walk? Uh, you dormed there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. How do you feel if you've been at the library, it's 9 o'clock, you're going to your dorm, how do you feel comfortable? Is there always, are you always with another person? No, I, I, I stay to myself a lot, so I was by myself. I'd walk across campus by myself, and even this last year, I lived off campus. So I had to walk like maybe 10, 15 minutes, depending on where I was on campus, to my house, and... I like my mom just got me pepper spray, so yeah, that's but, real. But before that, I was just walking around looking, just just so happy. Not happy, <sighs> not not happy and not oblivious. But I just try not to live my life in fear. So to know what's going on is one thing, but to try and let it take over is another thing. So like. I would like, the only thing that I would do that would make me comfortable was like, I walk with my flashlight on. I I tend to wear bright clothes, like my book bag is obnoxiously colored. I tend to <laughs> listen, I tend to really, if someone gets, let's say, eight feet in back of me, mm -hmm. I tend to hear their feet more than if, than I would have cared about two years ago. Mm -hmm. I definitely pay attention to people walking by me if they walk slow. I will let somebody pass and go. Yeah, in front I want to see your face. I, I, <laughs> so if you do something, I can say, yeah, yeah, this person look like this. Yeah, and I also like I would a big thing would be being on the phone on speaker, so that way people can hear that there's somebody else that knows where I am. Like, okay, I'm I'm on blah blah blah, or I'm going home, or. Oh, I, it's super dark out here. Yeah, That's you, weird. You, like, you, you've got to have, what do you call it? Uh, you have to couple up with somebody. Because uh, my friend and I, I if I was in a particular danger, I remember this fella claimed he wanted to take me out. And I said, okay, I'll get my coat. I'm 24, so. And when he came, when I came, I have to get my coat. Well, how many seconds is that? Mm -hmm. 30, 60. 
he's got this magazine open to what he intended to do to me sexually. Mm. So I called Sherry. Uh, I'm here with this fella. <laughs> we had to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are, if you don't hear from me in two minutes, you are to call the police. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he could have taken me over physically. Easily. Yeah. But he knows that now someone else knows right. yep. that I'm here with him. Right. I ain't getting no dinner. I ain't getting nothing. <laughs> and uh, he. His mind was so, and I didn't even want to go out with him, but he kept calling and calling and calling. Mm. Even when he was at the door, on the other side of the door, will you do this to me? Wow. His head was still like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, he's Yeah, when when you buy yourself, you have to, I like that idea. I hope everybody's listening, that you have your phone on speaker. Mm Mm-hmm. So I can say to my daughter, uh, Ayo, I'm feeling uncomfortable. This person's in back of me and walking faster mm-hmm. and, and whatever else. Yep. Look like a man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Palmer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. It's a shame we have to feel that way, isn't it? Mother. Yeah. Um. And I'm not, I'm not one that's easily scared. <laughs> but uh, And you know, sure, people like me will tell you off in a minute in the street. It's getting rough these days, you yeah. know what I mean? If you're in the street and you were a short person, what you do? What? I do this. I remember taking Bryce. It was like one of the very warm days about four years ago. So he was no more than four. Uh, down to see the trees and all of that. And... Uh, I'm trying to get on a train with Bryce. And these two or three men, get it, get it. Now you know how those trains are. It's packed. Mm-hmm. See, I, that's why I feel that somehow I'm going to be killed or something. Because I turned around mm-hmm. and I said what I needed to say. Mm-hmm. Short people do that, so you're short. Tall people, they see a person, my, my cousin, she's almost six feet. Uh, she doesn't have to do that because she, you know, she can look down at people. But short people will will say something to you. But uh, I'm very disconcerted that you are a young woman and you feel the same anxiety that I feel at times when I'm going somewhere. I think that there's a lot of emphasis. I mean, there's what hundreds of millions of people out here and i think there's they're a, all they're all in new york city i'm telling you <laughs> and i think the yonkers it's definitely becoming um more and more crowded more and more cars like people keep coming um yeah but um that's a statistical fact this is not you know i used to think oh maybe it's me no no uh, the population has doubled. Yeah, they're coming in. The past in, twenty years, they're coming in droves. That's right. And um, I think that there's a lot of emphasis on what's wrong, what's going wrong in society. Like the news is, you know, the bad news. But which that's is, always. Yeah, which is why I don't watch it. Um, but there's a lot of good 
going on. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of good people. There's a lot of good um, Samaritans. And you hear less about that than you hear about the instances of um, a violent acts on people. Um, statistically, if the population goes up, it only makes sense that acts of violence are going to go up. Um, a lot of these children out here, you you know, you mentioned the age range, and we have to remember what the parents grew up in. So the people who in the, um, especially in the black and Hispanic community, who are in their 30s now, they um, were once, um, a lot of times, the children of crack addicts because crack was a really big epidemic. And before that were the children of heroin addicts, which You're is... You're saying heroin wrong. It's heron. <laughs> heron. I worked in the drug program. I know what they were talking That's about. That's what they call it, yeah, but it's heroin. So they were heroin addicts, um, children of heroin addicts, which I am one of. My father was a heroin addict. He wasn't still using heroin when I was born, but... It doesn't decrease the impact of him being in heroin. Absolutely, had on my life. Um, so physically, just physically, he's passing on a gene that has now been distorted. Right, right. So um, as far as that goes, so that's who's raising the children. So they weren't raised properly. You know, a lot of them were raised by foster care. Their aunties their sisters, their brothers, um, their, you know, uncles. And too um, often, I'm going to like my child more than I like you, even though I'm getting paid to take care of you. Right, exactly. I'm talking about where I'm paying someone, and my first two were one and two years old. I come to pick them up, they locked in a room. And I'm paying you to take care of my kid. Right, right. But her children, the woman's children, they weren't locked in no room. right. Now, we're not even talking about addiction. The people right, who love not, their child more than who they're taking care of. Right. So, I mean, you know, a lot of that contributes to now who you see as teenagers on the street. Their parents are children of crack addicts. So they were raised improperly. Um, they had these children. These children, you know, are raised improperly because their parents are who they are based on you know, the circumstances and environment that they were raised in. So this is a trickle-down thing. This is not um, something new, but, of course, with each generation, it gets worse because there's yeah, more only seen us, and more. People who commit these crimes, out of the population, they may be 0.1%. It's not a lot, but they do such drastic crimes. But when you think of 0.1% of hundreds of millions of people, it's a lot. that's a lot. That's a lot. So that's, that's, it's a numbers thing. Um, so that's where I think it comes in. Because me being, I only have one child. But I, you know, uh, other people from my generation have two, three, four, five kids, right? And if their children are heroin addicts and they weren't raised properly, they have their issues, then they raise these kids. Um, these kids become crack addicts, right? And then... These crack addicts have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten kids. When I was uh, so, working in the Bronx, I worked with uh, 
what was the welfare? You wouldn't know. There was a welfare coalition of parents who are saying how welfare treats them. And one of the people, she had a heart of gold. But all of her children, except the youngest, was my youngest daughter's age, had been in prison. Uh, two of her children died horrifically. Head blown off. Gun unloaded right in the head. And this is real. Even though she had a heart of gold, her ability to, and she would do anything for you, to raise her children was impacted. Then she got the grandchildren. They would, you rarely see this, but I mean, that. That's what I saw. Uh, they would curse her out. I mean, little kids, six, seven years old, cursing your mama out. Grandma. Uh, and I took one or two of them one time. And I said, it's stopping here. You, I don't know what y'all do in your house, but you ain't coming here. And I think, so the boy stood on the windowsill. And that was one, what a day uh, that they, you know how they have these black, uh, Things in the park in the summertime. Mm-hmm. He's sitting out there on the windowsill. Help! She's killing me. She's <laughs> killing me. And people just passed him. <laughs> so when I went to take him home, he said, "You're not gonna let me come here anymore." I said, "You got that right." Conversation was over. <laughs> so, um, but grandmas—that's a a lot of grandmas. Get, got stuck with the kids. My uh, grandmother got yeah. stuck with her grandkids because all, oh, yeah. almost all her kids were were, were were fiends. And I got four kids, right? And I don't have anybody to stick with. They, they're in different places. Uh, I only see one once in a while. Uh, yeah. When I, as, as I say, as a social worker, I'm interviewing one woman. You could tell she was angry. And so she's got to be putting that on her child. Mm-hmm. Uh, on these grandchildren, I'm sorry. She said her daughter went away for a minute or so. Mm-hmm. Came back with a baby. Mm-hmm. The daughter, the second time, the daughter said she going to the store. Came back with a second child. Mm-hmm. This woman was absolutely furious. And I understand it, but I know those vibes, as you say, your mother told you to be in a positive place. Those kids are not going to get positive vibes no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because if I meet you for the first time and you tell, and I can see that you are seething. Livid, yeah. Yeah. What can I expect of these children? What are these kids going through? What kind of abuse are they getting? Verbal. What are yeah. they being told? What's being done to them? You know. Well, the worst things are, I, I think, what I would say to my students, we don't even know we're doing it. You're just like your damn father. Yeah. He was crap, and you are too. Or you're just like your mama. She was out there hoeing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can't do that. I I get the kids. Yeah. I get the kids who come to school who are angry. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Who have never been shown love. Right. And I have to love them. And so, who's on the street with with two other kids stabbing somebody 27 times? Those kids. Who's on the street punching somebody in the face, an older person, to knock them out? Those kids. There was one guy walking down the street the other day. Avoid he punched feelings. three white women in the face right. on one block. 
just walk by them, boom, walk by them, boom, walk by them, boom. That's a lot of anger. Like, uh, I'm not giving you his real name. That's who these kids are. But Manny, uh, I picked him up the day after Christmas, and uh, so how, how's, how's things, how's things? I always say how rather than what you got because very often they may not have anything. Right. I just wanted to see my mother. I haven't seen her in a long time. And they you grow bleed up like this. They grow up with that that rejection. They and grow up hating women. women. Yes. 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 I, I was, uh, my uncle, I think I told you, my uncle died and they're in Buffalo and I had to take my father up there. And this woman, I'm coming from the funeral hall making the arrangements. I see this little, little boy out in the street getting ready to run the street. So I came in because they were having a party that day, my cousin in church. So I said, is, does someone have a little boy that has a dungaree set on that's walking up and down the street? Girl, I'm sounding like my wife. They, uh, she got that little boy. I want you to go back in time when you're about ten years old. Do you remember the old phones? Mm-hmm, the one with the. Well, you dialed it. The one you dialed. Uh-huh. The rotary. How, how, yeah, the how rotary phone. Heavy that is. Mm-hmm. She took that two years old boy and knocked him right upside the head, and then went to me, and was right in my face. I mean, this close. What I'm gonna do to you? I said, could you please? Could you please? I'm going duck, duck, duck. I said, well, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna call child protection. That ended the conversation. (laughs) Right, and she was a big woman. So I I told this to my class, when I was teaching, I told it every year. My daughter told me when they had the little birthday party, whatever they had, you see these cinder blocks? She knocked the oldest boy into the cinder block. And she had a little baby boy, maybe 18 months on her lap. All three, because you mad at your man. I was just getting ready to say. Will hate, and then I'ma have a daughter. And I'm there you go. Think that she's good, she's the best thing that ever happened to this world. And she bump into him. Yes, right. And most of they the, were cute. They, cute. I was just getting ready to say. And most of the time, they're good looking, they're charming, and then the next thing you know, they're punching you in the face. That's right. Or cheating on you, or you know, whatever. Both. They, well, no, or no, both. Sir. Right? That's they the right don't. Thing. They don't. That's true. You know. And, and what? Who he's hitting? Because you can't hit your mama. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in the playground and you tell tell somebody your mama, you up for a fight. So they're hitting their mother every time they hit you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're hitting mm-hmm. their mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's so dumb. I love him. No, you don't love him. Mm-hmm. You're stupid to right. love somebody who will hurt you when I told you you're the princess. You don't know what love is. That's right. And we're seeing these women. So we're not talking about drugs anymore. But you're seeing these women. Hurt women. Who man may be in prison. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed that the children were spaced. Mm-hmm. They weren't close together. Mm-hmm. Man might be in prison or whoever they got is doing whatever. Or different fathers. That's right. And she's angry. Because ain't one of them fathers stuck around. Not, as my grandma said, not not one. Mm -hmm. Not not one. Mm -hmm. And in the same process, 
she's there with these three boys. Mm-hmm. And these boys are learning what women do. And I keep, you know, um, I post a lot. Well, not as much as I used to, but I post on Facebook things that I think. And, I, you know, I, I post a few times that you got to raise the son that you want as a husband. Say that again. You have to raise the son that you want as a husband. You can't be out here raising these boys all willy-nilly and then be mad when they grow up and be willy-nilly. No. And might smack you. Yes. Yeah. Or, or punch your wall mm-hmm. or curse you out. You know, whatever the case may be. You have to raise the son that you want as a man. You want a good man? You gotta. You have a good man right there. Raise him. He's going to be a man one day. Twice in my career. He's going to have children one day. When I was working at the school that I just left, uh, one of the parents' older son, because I'm in the elementary school. Is that me? Sorry, y'all. Was burned to death New Year's at 161st Street at the stadium. Oh, my gosh. One. On purpose? I would guess so. (laughs) You burned me up. I guess it's on purpose. (laughs) And one was killed... Uh, always January 1st. Be careful out there for January 1st. At Orchard Beach. Mm. You think it's cool to raise your son not to respect others? Even if people who hang around with. It's not even a thought, though. That's the thing. It's not even a thought. It's, it's, they, the kid is like luggage. It's like an armor, like it's an appendage. It's not something, it's not a person to be invested in, to look after the best of the person. It's, it's, a, it's a, a saddle on your back. Well, oh, you, I got to feed this kid. I got to house this kid. Have you seen them at a bus stop? You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. you never children and the parent at a bus stop? What happens? In, in, in reference to... No conversation. Yes. Oh yeah. A yeah. Lot of people right. don't. They ignore talk. their children. You said. You said that it's luggage. It's weird. A you lot know? of people, even like my friends, like they'll see the relationship that I have with my mom, which is not like, I don't like not to say I don't think it's special, but like I feel like it's not anything that should be out of the ordinary. Like you should be able to talk to somebody, but like they're like, oh my gosh, you guys actually talk, and I'm like. How could you live in a house with somebody and not speak to them at all or not know that? I thought she said she didn't know what she was going to talk about when she came on. <laughs> uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. I've gotten on the bus, and you know how the bus is willing to You up and uh, uh, go into your seat. You got a two years old behind you. Walk straight. <laughs> uh-huh. Or dragging them. Oh, I hate that. Their little legs can't keep up, and you walking. 20 paces faster than them and they on their tippy toes. I'm like, I, I have literally yes. said, I have literally oh said to people in the street, oh, her poor little legs can't keep up with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was walking down the street and you know the icy person and I saw a woman buying two or three kids she had with her ices and one little kid dropped it. What she didn't 
call him is not written in any book. Mm. She called him every name because, and I said, Miss, here, buy another one. Yes. I, I mean, I bet you she wouldn't talk to a girlfriend or her, her man like that. Right. Mm-hmm. But the kid, the kid, the kid catches it all. So the child doesn't know how to behave in school. He doesn't know when he should do this, when he should do that. And you see some kids, if you come near, they do like that, baby. They flinch. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. No interaction, no communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is, is, is separate, you know, cursing, cursing at the kid. <coughs> I was at work at the clinic one day, and this lady was cursing at her little girl. And I had to tell her, don't speak to her like that. Don't speak to her like that. And it doesn't make sense because people get upset <coughs> about you coming at a kid a certain way and then treat them way worse. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to get upset because of whatever? Like, And then you're calling them mean names or not taking care of them. It doesn't... And then you teach your kid to get mad at disrespect, but you treat them how to disrespect people. But my kids were growing up. I had a lot of kids over the house. And because they felt comfortable there. Does your mother know you're here? Get on the phone and call. And they would, you know what I found out? That they thought that I was mean. I wasn't mean. They had juice. They had food to eat. <laughs> but you weren't going to do, you weren't going to But you them. had rules. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going to, and one young girl, she's on the couch. I said, don't you need to call your mother? No, you're going to call her here. She doesn't care. I saw mm. That's so sad. Like you, you, you should, you should know that your your parent um, is concerned about you and will be concerned about you. Um, but that's not what's happening. So th- those are the girls we see on the bus talking about bitch and dick and oh. and, 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 and and motherfucker and all this oh. stuff. And then those are the boys that you see that's running around knocking people out, you know, acting up in in groups, going in McDonald's, 10 of them having the whole McDonald's petrified because they just talking all loud and, you know, play fighting. So you have never been on the bus. All that kind of craziness. On the train at certain times. I want to leave us because I still think that educators are to blame, too. There are a lot of wonderful teachers and social workers, psychologists in school. But I had this child born with one limb, a leg. No arms, one leg. And why she came to our school, they were from Long Island. And apparently when one of the places she was in took off her uh, prosthesis, they found roaches coming out of it. And so her, this was a little white girl, her sisters, you know, blonde, blue eyed, they were adopted. She wasn't. Could you imagine her head at this point? Mm. So that's why I say, you better look at the adults too. So she had two mothers. Mm -hmm. One of police, and one was a stay at home mother. Woman comes up to me, don't you think that's terrible? Who was raising her? 
Mm -hmm. I said, uh, yeah, are you willing to take it? <laughs> yes. These two women were so wonderful. They had, I, I knew I saw one kid like that in her class. She had very, the class that she was in was a small class study. But this child was even more distorted. I went to their house and they showed me, they made two cribs into one for this boy who had a pancake head. I would kid you not. Mm. And uh, they were so, so uh, glad that I came. And so they said, you want to see her feed him? Now this child has no arms. I don't know how, I can't think of how she did, but she was supposed to be giving him that, that sausage, right? Mm -hmm. Somehow she put it on her, 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 her shoulder. Her shoulder, between her shoulder and her chin. Oh, is that what it was? Mm -hmm. And she gave it to this little boy with the flat head. Mm -hmm. And she kept feeding her. God is wonderful. You, you are a minister in a church. God is more than we could ever decide. So the agency in Long Island, that's where the girl was from, said that she belongs in a special school, not because academically, you should have seen her paintings. Right. And these two women, anything I said, they believed. Mm -hmm. So they go in to get her in a special school. And they would decline. So I said, put me on speakerphone. I said, before you leave that room, you're to write a letter. Uh, whoever was the chance at the time, I don't know. And this was a Friday. You had to write a letter and say, da 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 It was recommendation for long And this man said no. And I said, mister, if you had a child like that, what would you want? She was running out of the school classroom every day. And I had to, and listen, I'm no saint. I had to hold her. Yes, I was uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie, but that's part of my job. I have no reason to do that. I said, you go and write this letter telling you want a fair hearing. Monday morning, that child had placement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because you get so hung up who the parents are. Right. That, that you, you mistreat the kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, those women were better than me. I i don't know if I would take a child with one leg. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would take a child with a pancake head and figure out how to raise it. Yeah. Know how to make a crib for him. Right. Because he wasn't an infant that he could be in a, a little crib. So, uh, so uh, adults in everyone's life, my life, your life, her life, what are their hang-ups? And didn't they have the same thing this weekend, this week, with the two fathers and the boy, and they had a substitute teacher talking about, you know, hell and damnation to the child? Because oh, you got wow. two fathers. Oh, I didn't. I didn't then you hear take about the that. child. Oh, it's been on every national TV. I say that they fired. They fired her immediately. Two cur Good. girls in the class. I Good. say that about people who don't believe in um, in Good abortion. God. Absolutely. Are you going to adopt these kids? Are you gonna, going to feed them? Yeah. Are you going to raise them? You don't even want to take care of the ones that are already born That's because right. you want to get rid of welfare and food stamps. That's what I'm going to say. Food stamps is, he signed a thing yes. last week to cut food stamps. Yeah. So how, so who, what are we going to do with all of these unaborted babies? That's, that's, that's just facts. 
And with people who don't even like you. And people who don't want these kids. You you can, uh, you, you want to put people in jail when they put the babies in the dumpsters and the sewers mm. and the garbage mm-hmm, bags. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're going to make them have these babies. Where you think these babies going to end up that they don't want? That's right, that's right. In an already overcrowded system. I feel system. like I want to, if you want to have, don't want your child, please give them to me. I'll treat your child good. Yeah. I will treat your child good. But I want us to end, because this is the end of the year, on something positive. You're, Wajida, you are the youngest. Yes. You've got at least 80 years in front of you. They said anybody born today has the ability to live to 100. Jesus. Well, I, 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 that's not his fault. Now, we haven't talked about <laughs> all the people making babies. I don't think that's his fault, but go on. Oh, 100 years. Okay. <laughs> Just don't forget, cool. if my great-grandmother was living, she was born in 1885, she, where everybody was in, uh, what do you call it? Horse and buggy. Hoggy buggy. And she died when they were... Sending people up into space. Mm-hmm. So just think about what you would do in a hundred years. I mean, in eighty years. Say something that's positive. Say how you're going to change this world. Uh, within uh, my eighty years. Um, just the next five. Okay, like that—that's a good starting point. Um, I guess the next five. I just want to. Help people grow to feel like comfortable in themselves. How? Um, Your mom has a church. Do you volunteer? No, I don't have a church. Oh, you just became a minister. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, just you by, should come to the church. Just for like being a, like a like a ear to like listen to people, because that's kind of the role that I play with all of my friends. Is just like I'll talk to them and be honest with them, but also not be mean about it, I guess? I guess, you know, uh, I would ask my students and they would say, oh, you have to be honest. So I don't like that nasty shirt. <laughs> Do I say, I, and some people talk like this, I just want them to know. I want to be honest about it. Do you really want to be honest all the time? No, I think, I think honesty is, also requires like you to be tactful about it. And there's, like, you can be honest if somebody asks you a question, and I think honestly... Yeah, you're also... too fat. You're too fat, too greasy, and shouldn't be... Big. They asked me. I just told them what I, they asked me. I think honesty is also, like, being able to refrain from answering a question if you know it's not going to be nice or what they want to hear. Like, if somebody asks me something, I'm like, now, do you want... Honestly, do you want me to break it down to you, or do you want me to soften it I'm up I'm with for Joey, you? Joaquin. You know Joaquin. He, girl, you should see how cute he is. But why did you get the black eye? That happened to a student of mine. I'm trying to, first day of class, she's got sunglasses on in the class, and I could see. And the first day, everybody has questions to ask you. You stay here. Who did that to you? I wouldn't ask them that. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't, because I feel like once you build a like a relationship thing, you can ask them that. Otherwise, it's just like bringing up something that they already know is on their face. Yeah. You wouldn't ask me why I got a black eye? No. I really wouldn't. 
Maybe that's also my anxiety. Like, I don't want to start a problem. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't ask. I think more women have to be honest. I asked my student, what happened to you? Oh, he punched me. You know? If they're willing to say it, they mean they want you, they want you to hear it. People share with you because they know that you are not non-judgmental. You're not going to go and say, well, you know, I spoke to uh, Henrietta and she, girl, because they know that you're going to be honest with them. Whatever honesty may be, leave them. If you can't leave them, tell them the next time if you touch me. And, and I want you to hear that. When you're honest with people and when you support people, you got to be ready for those people not to, to to be angry with you. That story of my life. <laughs> you know, but I always say, you can't never say I didn't tell you. And I'm never wrong. I don't tell them that. But it's true. I'm never wrong. When I'm telling you something, I'm coming from a place of not, wagging my finger but I love you and I want better for you Absolutely. or for the situation you know um, and I'm going to tell you what everybody else is thinking but they don't have the nerve to tell you because they don't want you to get mad at them that's not love if you love somebody no matter what the situation is no matter what it is they're doing wrong you should have the balls to tell them straight up you know of course you, you, you the way you say it it is important, you know, you're not mean or ugly or anything, but choose your words wisely, but speak to the facts and let people know that, you know, the space that you're coming from before you say it and then say what you have to say. Yes. That's what you have to do. And that's that's what I've learned. And and people get angry at me, but guess what? Their behavior starts to change. That's true, because now you have to look at yourself. Exactly. Please tell me, what are you going to say to people for a new decade? We go into a new decade. So for a new decade, I would say, can you believe it's going to be 2020? I remember when it was countdown to the year 2000, and everybody was thinking, you know, it's going to be the end of the world. You, you had her in your, uh, wasn't that the truth? Yes, this was going <laughs> to, all yes. the electricity, all the power was going to yes. go off. You know, it was going to be something crazy and nothing happened but nothing, another, another day. day. Another minute. Yeah, you Goodbye. know. So it's it's already 2020. You know, we like uh, Daffy Duck Buckwagglers in the 20th century. You know, it's like all of these things that we thought um, that were just on TV and in sci fi are now actually in real life. That's FaceTime, funny. watches on, video watches on our arms. Um, all of these things. Phones. That, I'm with some friends. And yes. Phone on your, your arm. Your arm. Is your this, arm is this Dick Tracy? You know. Could you imagine if my great grandmother was li living and the arm starts ringing? Exactly. I mean, she was probably brought up. I know because I went to one of those places where no light, electricity, exactly. or water was in the house. Exactly. Gotta, look at her eyes open. Is that uh, possible? Yes. A watch on her because she has a watch on her arm. <laughs> I mean, a, a phone on her arm, you know? Yeah, this is my iWatch. Uh, watch. So, <laughs> you know, everything is, everything has been so, so sped up fast, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, te technologically, but we are still human beings. And no matter what our brains can create and no matter what things we can um, think up in our minds, we are still human beings. We still struggle with the same things. We still struggle with hunger. We still struggle with homelessness. We still struggle with violence. Yes. We still struggle with um, inequalities between men and women, even with all our technologies and advancements. So I would yes. say for 2020, you know, instead of focusing on technology, we need to focus on the technology of human communication and human interaction because at one point that was the greatest the greatest technology that was the newest thing the way that we interacted with each other how our brains grew and we were able to speak and teach and change the world um, by doing so so I think through 2020 that should be the focus is to get back to basics get back to human interaction get back to loving one another, get back to trusting one another, um, one person at a time, and get back to teaching the youth that they can love and be loved because so many of the youth are jaded, you know. Um, they don't think that they can love and they don't think that they can be loved. Um, and that's why they're so angry. So how about we get back to basics for 2020? That's my suggestion. Our audience are out in audience land. I think uh, Sister Halima has hit the, the hammer on the nail, nail on the head or something, or something like that. Uh, there's no more to be said. I mean, let's learn to love. Let's hug somebody today. Let's say something good today. I love your, your sweater. I love that color. Thank you. We can always find something bad about somebody. But I think when you smile at a person just walking down the street, that person's going to feel better. That's going to jump to another person. And if they don't smile back, that's okay. That's smile right. at the next person. That's right. That's right. You know, it's, it, it, it behooves us to continue to be who we are regardless of how others treat us. That's right. I so somebody that. doesn't hold the door for you, that's okay. You could still hold the door for somebody else. There is somebody out there that would appreciate you holding the door for them. There is somebody out there that would appreciate you smiling at them, even if the other person you know, grimaces. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that person may feel, hey, what, what did I get up today for? Mm -hmm. and because if you give a nasty attitude, then the, the, your attitude is going to reflect on the next person. Mm -hmm. So uh, what Sister Halima said is so important. Let's smile at that person that we see, even at times when that person doesn't smile back. And if we make, if we make a, a habit of it, maybe we can have a better word, world. Let's give that little child, say hi. So many of our children, especially our black children, have been told that they're ugly, that their hair isn't right. Give that child a reason to believe in itself. So I'm going to say happy new decade, and uh, we'll be back. It's Murphy and Friends with Halima. Thank you.